Hello and welcome to Wildest Kruger Stories. I'm Carolina. And I'm Craig. Did you see how we switched that? Yes, that was great. I think for the for 18 episodes. Is it 18 now? I think, or maybe 90, I don't know. We've got a few episodes. But yes, it's the first time that you've actually done the introduction. We're here for another action-packed episode. <laughs> Yo, that, that sounds like sound like a sitcom series. It's great. Oh my word. Um, I'm actually quite excited for this one because we have yeah. we have been saying for a while, like when we first started the podcast, and we were like, you know, okay, we have all these things that we do want to talk about, but then we were like, okay, we are gonna run out of things eventually. But we were saying, okay, you know, we can always have a Q&A like every fifth episode or something because we thought we were going to run out of things to say. But then we've just had so many guests on and had so many things to talk about that we haven't really had time for a Q&A. And today we're doing a Q&A and I'm so excited for it yeah. because we got so many good questions and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think the interest was something that surprised me. Mm. Where it's like so many people, you see, because you see all these Q&As on Instagram and whatnot and you're like... Uh, these people are going to be like oh, another Q and A, which is actually quite cool to see that there's actually so many people that are interested in what we have to say. So yeah, exactly. Quite happy about it and quite excited, and just want to thank everyone that kind of participated and uh, contributed, sent- contributed, and sent in their questions. And in general, the past like couple of weeks. I feel like we've gotten so much great feedback. I've gotten so many messages from people saying they're enjoying the podcast and, you know, listening to old episodes and being like, oh, you guys spoke about this. And it's so much fun getting those messages because this is a, we've spoken about it before. This is a passion project for us. We're literally just doing this because we enjoy it and it's fun. And that's why it's so nice to get the feedback from you guys that you're enjoying it too. And it keeps us motivated. You know what I mean? All right, guys. So... I think let's jump straight into the questions because there's a lot of them. Yeah, so I think we're just going to basically, we not, don't have a specific order. We're just going to literally read them and uh, yeah, read the questions and uh, try to answer the best we can and then we'll see how long this goes on for. And so guys, a lot of a lot of the questions are um, based on Kruger and wildlife, but some of them are more fun as well. And I'm going to start with quite a fun one. It's high and low. Yeah. Are you an F1 fan? Yes, we are. Very much so. Both of us. Craig has grown up with it. Yeah. More than I have. And I have become a fan within the past, like, year. Yeah. I have supported Ferrari next to my whole life. Uh, and through I'm all a... the ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Red Bull fan. Um, Huge Red Bull fan. Yeah. Love them. So, yes, we are F1 fans. Like, I would pre- I would call us pretty diehard F1 fans. Yeah, like, I listen to Red, to F1 podcasts all the time. And yeah, like, and we, we try. We, we get upset when we miss a race or a qualifying. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. we're, pretty, we're pretty there. Yeah. Like, actually, if you want to... If you want to... Get it question, very personal. Yeah, if you want... Well, if you want to... If you want to merge Kruger through this, like, yeah. I mean, we, we'll put effort into, like, maybe shortening our little game drive just so we can watch... Well, we literally were in Kruger to watch one of the... And watch the one Grand Prix yeah. at the restaurants and missed a game drive. We missed that Which, which says a lot drive. about us because we never miss a game yeah. drive. Yeah. But yeah. Um, would you buy secondhand camera gear and what should you look for when doing so? That's a really good question and actually something... I'm going to hand that over to Carolina. Yeah, I just took it. So yeah, I know. Fine. I'm done with handgear. It's a very, very good question and I 100% recommend buying secondhand gear. Pretty much all of my gear is actually secondhand. And if you know what to look for, you can find such great stuff 
for such so much better prices that's the thing we all know camera gear is super expensive and second hand you get it for such a better price and if you know what to look for and uh, what to see which i'll get to now then the gear will still last for long so with lenses uh, you literally just need to look for them being well taken care of and there's a lot of different companies that do like sec they sell secondhand gear and they give you like a warranty and stuff and they go through all the checks and stuff highly recommend going through those um in south africa there's a couple called uh there's outdoor photo uh, photoshop they do secondhand gear there's cameras with a z they do secondhand gear they're casers they do secondhand gear yeah, i've bought from casers a couple good. of times and they've been really good and there's omni om, uh, orms yeah is also one o r wait o m r s uh that's also one of the shop in south africa and then I love how you spelt it out with your hand as well. Yeah. Like, she was doing air writing, guys. She my, was writing. My in brain air. was working faster than my mouth could, you know. So those are just some examples. And to uh, I'm trying to rush through this because we have so many uh, other questions I want to get to, and I don't want to make this too long. But uh, things to look for with lenses. Lenses don't lose quality with age. Uh, they literally just will be like less up to date and maybe not be as fast as the newer lenses if you're buying old lenses. But they will still like the quality of the photos will still be amazing and they don't like lose quality with age. Uh, they just won't have the newest technology. That's, that's it when you buy old gear. But uh, so the only thing to look for there is that they've been well taken care of and you will get some great stuff with lenses. Uh, with cameras, the big thing to look for is uh, shutter count. So cameras have a shutter count, especially DSLRs, sorry. DSLRs have a shutter count, mirrorless don't really. Uh, so DSLRs have a shutter count just like a car has mileage. And to find out what a specific camera's shutter count is, like how long they recommend you using that camera for, and like what the shutter count, maximum shutter count is, you literally just Google the model of the camera and like say maximum shutter count or like whatever, and you'll find out. And the more professional lens uh, cameras will have a higher shutter count of like 200,000, 500,000 or whatever. And then your more intro, like beginner level cameras uh, will have a lower shutter count. Uh, so that's just good to, ch to look out for. And then I think in general, if you're not buying from a like retailer who have a warranty or whatever, if you're buying from a private person, just go and look at the camera, try it out, test everything that you can with the camera to make sure that everything's all right. Sorry, that was a long answer, but it was a very good question. Do we live in Africa? Yes, we do. We do. We live in South Africa. How do you afford your gear, savings, loans, photography, income? All with question marks. I think this one is more directed at you. Um, yeah, so I, again, I do buy a lot secondhand. Uh, so that's, that's one. Uh, I save a lot of money for it and then also like photography is my job uh, so I use some of my savings to invest in my job by buying camera gear like that is me investing in my business so in that way I use savings for that mm. uh, I don't know how else to explain it like no, I think you hit the nail on the head there I, mean, I save money it. for it and yeah. uh, and I, I know what to look for with gear and I know what to look for with secondhand stuff yeah. and try to find good prices and whatever like the one lens that i have that's my favorite the 302.8 that was a second hand buy and i got it for steel because i knew i wanted that lens so badly that i constantly was checking second hand uh like websites and stuff and one day i found it and it was like a 
betting thing so like you were yeah, yeah, bidding yeah. thing you're like bidding on the lanes and so i bid and then i got it for for way less than it would cost new so that's kind of how i do it nice um <laughs> andrew mcdonald can i be on your podcast yes andrew we definitely want you on the podcast <laughs> but you know what he said because i messaged him back and i said what a 100%, yeah 100 you need to come on the podcast and then he was like, I should probably listen to some of your episodes. I'm like, yeah. Of course you should. <laughs> you can't be asking to be on the podcast no, if you, you haven't to listened know to episodes. how it works uh, <laughs> if you want to be on the podcast. But yeah, 100% Andrew, we'll get you on in the in next the bird, few. you yeah. have to listen to all 19 episodes. Yes. Until you're on that podcast. We'll taste you. will be 100% you. caught up. Do you still use DSLR? Um, and if not, do you miss using them? So scratch to the misusing them because I can answer that question. DSLR all the way at the moment. Yeah, we both have DSLRs. <clears throat> uh, Craig's with Canon and I've got Nikon. Uh, but I just did a collaboration with Sony, which was a lot of fun. And uh, then I was using their new mirrorless camera, the A7R5, and which was awesome to try out. And that's that's the first time I've been able to like properly test out a mirrorless camera for like a long period of time, uh, which was really, really cool. If I can just stop you right there and... Just actually, I know people are probably going to be so sick of hearing this, especially with the, the newest Sony models, but the eye tracking is insane. Oh, it was insane. Absolutely insane. And that is something that obviously the DSLR is really... Disgustingly like, impressive. Yeah, like that's the thing. But I do have to say that the DSLRs, there is few things with that the DSLRs have over mirrorless, if you yeah. know what I mean. So the one thing, just to mention a small thing, is that when you turn the camera on, a DSLR is ready to go like immediately immediately as you turn yeah. the camera on split second split second and it's ready to shoot while a mirrorless camera has it takes like one or two seconds which is not a lot but it it's does not a lot in wildlife photography when, when you're sitting in that leopard sighting yeah. and she spent five minutes with the carcass between her legs looking at that marula tree and you have forgotten to turn your camera on i don't know one should make that mistake but i speak out of experience yeah because you make that mistake i made that mistake let's not say all the time but i have made it <laughs> and she's waiting to go up and as she starts to go up you click out by the time that camera is actually ready to go yeah if you've got a dslr you're probably going to catch her halfway up the tree but if mm. you've got the mirrorless that has that one or two second lag she's already going to be yeah. on the branch but i think i think we might just do it like a whole episode on like mirrorless versus because we are DSLR getting a lot of questions about because yeah. a lot of people are interested and i think just to answer it quickly now i think mirrorless um, mirrorless mirrorless that's a new model that should be something the mirrorless is the future we all know that that's where all the camera companies are going so like that that is going to be the future but mirrorless are still a new thing and there is still things that the dslr is better at if that makes sense well, the dslr isn't it's not like it's gone and you can't compete with dslr yeah. you know what i mean do you, that you can still you can still compete with it i think what everyone needs to realize is that you know it's like any other piece of technology mm. you know cameras have been advancing not only because we've switched from dslr to mirrorless i mean mm. they have even when it was still DSLR, I mean, it was still advancing. All the technologies were yeah. advancing over the last 40, or 30, 40 years. Mm. And now we've just shifted into a whole new ball game that yeah. is mirrorless. But it's still going to 
advance absolutely slowly but surely and, and we're in the very what, early stages yeah. of mirrorless and, and there's things that they they i'm just i'm kind of waiting yeah to see yeah and people tend to forget that they think there's this massive change in mm. photography and you know we're probably being a bit biased because we're still at dslr but it's it, it is it's something that that that's that change will take time mm. uh for it to get to that kind of perfect moment i don't think yeah. it's i don't think we're ever gonna it's ever gonna be perfect yeah. but you know as perfect as it can be i think all, all i think all i want to say is like don't don't dismo- dismiss dslrs just yet what is your favorite wildlife sighting of all time so far Oof. oh my word that can't i can't answer that question you can you have to okay you start oh i know mine oh is it yeah okay. of course so we were i was working on concession in kruger all those years ago those years, I'm old now. But you have told this story on the podcast. Have already. I told this story? Because mm-hmm, I know which one you're about to say. Well, okay. I have to say okay. it because it's my... Okay, okay, okay. Go for ...of it. all time. And um, there were three cheetah males lying on an open clearing. We got to the sighting and a herd of impala started to approach. And it was lambing season. Um, so we got a bit excited. And suddenly all three of these male cheetah were up and going after about 45 minutes to an hour of the sighting. I hope my facts are correct with, and they match the same <laughs> episode. Oh yeah, imagine. Yeah. This is imagine where, they're like, I thought you were waiting for three hours. No, remember, this is where you will see how Craig spices his story. Yeah, well, yeah, we waited for, for a significant amount of time. Eventually the males got up, chased these impala as they got closer, and um, we ended up realizing that each male had killed an impala lamb and how they had brought them together. Um... And they were eating them in a pile, uh, just so they could all feel safer together. And that was that was that was a, a moment in my That's career I will kills never. In one yeah, it was chaos. Love kill. It was chaos. Love kill. <laughs> but yeah, that was that is a moment in my career that I don't think many people have experienced. Mm. Many guides, photographers, whatever the case may be, and to have them bring the carcasses into one spot, I think, what makes it my favorite is the uniqueness and how special that specific sighting was oh, i've got so many hey but like why are you looking at me like what are you talking about you haven't seen anything you haven't seen anything <laughs> i'm joking but like can i give top three top three explain top three jeez like that's a long time no okay, no i'll just ahead. i'll just like shut through them quickly okay. like Okay, so like top three in no significant order, but just like these are the top three okay. that I can't decide between, is the leopard cub. Oh, wow. So we yeah, saw yeah. a very young leopard cub the one time when we Incredibly were working in, in Greater oh. Kruger. Uh, it was about a month old. That's true. And I spotted the mom, which also makes it my favorite sighting because I spotted the mom before which, we realized she yeah. had a cub. And then the sighting developed. And then the sighting developed yeah. into us realizing that she had a cub right there. And so that was special because I like, I felt, you, you feel very good when you spot something. And the cub was like three weeks old. Yeah, so it so. was tiny. So that was very special. Then the buffalo kill in Tanzania now in my last workshop. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah, that's something I think I'll never experience again. Yeah, so that that was up there, that's up there, and then yeah, the wildebeest giving birth. Now recently. Now recently, that, that was, was also that super was pretty. Uh, you know that that wildebeest sighting was also emotional. 
Yeah, but it, that's that what is, I mean. It's it, it's a it's a very emotional sighting. Yeah. If you guys want to know, I have posted a reel about it, so you can check out on on my Instagram. There's a reel with videos from the yeah. world best giving birth. No, it was a it was yeah it was very very special. Very sighting. special. Yeah, those are those are three goodies. Mm. Well done. That was impressive. Not bad, eh? What is the one animal you always look forward to seeing when on safari? You go. Leopard, straight. Yeah. It's something I'm always looking for. Um, I, I'm constantly, even when I'm out doing trips uh, with clients or even freelancing for lodges in areas where they don't see leopards often, where they're a lot more scarce, I'm still looking for them in every tree. And I'm, I'm tr- I love those animals. And yeah. yeah, leopards is definitely the one that I absolutely never stop looking for. I honestly, even though it's not my favorite animal, but I do have to say, I think it's the same for me. It's like the, it's the animal I look forward to, to seeing the most. Mm. Yeah. Cause they, they're special, real special. How many tours do we do a year? Oh wow. That's a tricky that's question. A, it is a tricky question. Yeah. Because it's hard to gauge on what, on how often we are doing tours because sometimes a booking comes in Last a week minute. before yeah. and then we have to jump on it because that's kind of what happened last year so it is difficult but let's say how many did we do 2022 so it depends on because the thing is also sometimes craig will do a trip without me and i'll do trips without him yeah and but i think about from five to ten i would say last year was about five yeah about five to ten Mm. uh ten trips if you include uh yeah photographic workshops all stuff uh, all sorts but those are work trips yeah yeah no 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 that that we the, but, but actually, the question trips. was tours. Yeah, tours, so which tours is work is about, trips for us. Yeah, that's about, I would say on average, I'd say closer to 10 than 5 mm. um, uh, on average. Mm. How did you, how do you take such good pictures of wildlife? That's yours. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's very sweet. I don't know. Um, I, I, I just, I just take them and then it's, sometimes it turns out good and sometimes it turns out bad no nah, bullshit <laughs> like like a lot of people and you know like i think you've come under fire quite a few times and a lot of people will be like ah oh, you're just defending your girlfriend now nah, that's bullshit uh and what you just explained yes you were humble but a lot of people say like oh yeah you you get lucky and whatnot but nah you are very well prepared and you you you're patient and that's how you get what you what you put out on social media and what people see is <laughs> oh, you are patient you. and um, what did I what well did I prepared. read the other day? You're well prepared. You're well prepared. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as luck. Luck is when opportunity and preparation meet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, some words of wisdom true, for today. True. You and Craig's favorite animal to photograph, which you haven't seen yet. So I, th- I assume the question is. What are we most looking forward to photographing? I know. Okay, you go. A pangolin. I get the question all the time. People are like, have you seen a pangolin? Or there's someone the other day. It was funny because I think I think they didn't mean any harm or anything. It was just kind of funny because they were like, have you heard of this? This of, thing. <laughs> this thing called a pangolin? And I'm like, yeah. Shame. <laughs> I've been wanting to photograph it ever since I arrived which, in South Africa. Which is amazing that people are... Uh, 
getting more knowledge about yeah. them because of the trafficking. They're the most trafficked animal in Africa, in the world. And that's that's what I think that's what's pushing it out there. And that's amazing that people are But the funny the funny part of it was like, you should try to photograph one. And I'm like, <laughs> I am trying, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I have never seen a pangolin. It's definitely one of those those animals that I would love to see and especially photograph. Pangolin is up there for me, uh, I think. Um I've seen but I've only seen twice in my career. Mm. Um That says a lot about how rare they are. Yeah. Yeah, it's closing in on a 12-year career, and I've only seen it twice. Mm. Uh, I know guides that have seen it a lot more, mm. but I just haven't been so lucky. I'm not so much fortunate. Um, but uh, I would say probably me, it, it's neck and neck between Jaguar and Polar Bear. Uh, oh, you going worldwide. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Oh, you know, I've done so much in Africa. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Guys, ignore that comment. It's just horrible. Okay, cool, um, cool. Uh, definitely has got to be for myself between Jaguar and Polar Bear. Are you guys planning on doing more YouTube vlogging style videos for us to follow your day to day? This is a very good question because I have recently started my YouTube channel, which has been a lot of fun, I must say. And I have done a few like vlogging kind of type of videos on my trips, a few of my trips and, uh, and a few other things. So and it's been fun, but I do have to say that one, my computer is very old. It's getting a bit old now and I do need to invest in a new one. And because of that reason, it takes very long for me to edit videos. So um, that's why I have kind of put it on hold now, but I am keen to keep going. And it's nice to hear that people are interested yeah. to see the vlogging style videos and so on. Yeah, uh, so I am definitely, it's definitely something that I'm trying to work on and doing more of because it's so much fun and I'm, I'm enjoying it. It just, unfortunately, the editing part takes so long. Um, so I think I also just need to work on creating shorter videos. Mm. I like, I like your stuff. Well, I'm, I'm just Thank that you. supportive boyfriend that just likes everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the way you do your vlogs. I think it's good. And yeah, it's nice to see that the interest is out there. Mm. Do you two roughly the same job? So do we do roughly the same job? Uh, not at all. No. Uh, I'm. Well, we, not at all, I wouldn't say. You are a qualified guide, but you don't guide. Um, no, I guide photographically, mm. which is... We have spoken about this on a podcast earlier, yeah. but it is good to just get into again, I think. Um, so, I would, so for our company... I like to say that uh, that you're the words and I'm the visuals. Yeah. Uh, which means like I do the photography stuff. I do all the like designs for like um, itineraries and making it look pretty and like those kind of things, like the visual part of stuff. And then you do the words as in like talking to people, guiding as in words and a lot of the administrative stuff. Yeah. I do a lot of the admin. I do a lot of the uh, the bookings, the lodges, because I have a personal relationship with a lot of the lodges, and um, I understand the area that is Kruger. I've been mm. going there for my entire life, so I understand distances. I know where we can go, where we can't go. Uh, so yeah, I would say a lot of the administrative, administrative, and the planning stuff, stuff when it comes to so when guests approach us as the company, because this is also like our job is so yeah. kind of 
fluent because we do so many different things but for our company that as well as Kruger where we help people plan their safaris that's all you you help people plan their safaris because you know the Kruger so well and you know what lodges to go to to send people to for specific things and what they need and so on so that's very much you Uh, and then I do the photography aspect and that is both with my own company where I sell my prints and I do my my ebook and all of that and Wilders Kruger and Wilders Kruger guiding photographic workshops and so on yeah um, yeah we often get get where requests about yeah mm. often get we often get questions about what our roles are in, in the company and uh, we've often also been complimented about how we operate and how the formula that is Wilders Kruger but yeah that's just a little background on what we do how do you decide when to shoot videos and when to shoot stills? Good question, Ian. Very, very good question. And uh, definitely something that I still struggle with. Like, I would like to have two cameras so that I could do video and stills. But uh, I also, I prioritize stills because I'm a photographer. I don't see myself as a videographer. I don't think I'm, I'm good enough to do that, even though I do yeah. a lot of video. But I only pretty much do video for social media. I don't make a living out of video, if that makes sense. But yeah. I do like a, make a living out of photography. So that's why, whatever. Moving on. Um, so I prioritize stills, but I think I've also gotten to a point where like, obviously social media is pushing video. So like in certain situations, I'll be like, this would make a good reel or this will make a good video. So let's do video. Which is fun and which makes me do a lot more video. And I think I've also gotten to a point in my career where there are certain photos that I already have, if that makes sense. So depending on the sighting, like obviously there's always things that happen, that always new things. But I think I've gotten to a point where I can look at the scene and I'll be able to see even before I press the shutter if this will turn into a photo that I'll be able to do something with later. Like, will this turn into a photo that will make an amazing print or maybe it won't. And I'll be able to see that already in this in the scene, if that makes sense, most of the time. And then I'll be like, OK, no, this photo won't really be something extraordinarily new or whatever it might be that I haven't got before so let's do a video because I'll use that on social media if that makes sense yeah Uh, and if it otherwise I'll prioritize photography if Mm. it's like an amazing scene where I'm like okay beautiful I'll make sure I get the shots I want first and then I'll do video but I think advice there sorry if I'm rambling but just an advice there that I had to learn the hard way is just whatever you do commit to the one thing you decide to so like very often in the beginning when i started doing more video i would be like trying to switch back and forth which which takes a little bit of time and then i would lose a shot both from video and, and from photo so if you are on photo mode or whatever, however your camera works, because it's different to all cameras, but if you're on photo mode and you are committing to photos, commit to that unless the animal is like stationary and you have time to switch, you know you have time to switch to video. But, and same thing if you're on video already and something happens and you're like, oh, that would have been a cool photo, don't try to switch to photo because you're going to miss both. Yeah. So Ian, if you remember, we were in a sighting together in the Manuleti. Um, and he, we had hyenas feasting oh, on that. Oh, is this Ian, one of your guests? That's the one. Okay, okay. One and only. And uh, <laughs> we had, I think it must have been about nine, ten hyenas that were finishing off the the buffalo carcass that the lions had then moved off the one morning. You must remember it. 
And um, when Karelina is talking about commitment in a sighting like that, where there's a lot of interaction happening with the hyenas, there's a lot of fighting for those last bits of scraps. Karelina, what she's saying is commit to that. So if you're going to have that in like five minute intervals, be like, okay, for five minutes, I'm going to film. And just kind of what happens, happens is, and then you're going to, you're going to find out that your, your videos are going to turn out quite nicely because the interaction you're going to get that all on film. But if you're going to go five minutes of just shooting, don't chop between because often if something action-packed happens, mm. you're going to have missed it by the time you've switched over. I think that, that's what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, exactly. Like in a situation like that, for example, usually this is also where like animal behavior and being able to read the animal comes yeah. in. Because usually like, okay, there's lions on a kill, hyenas are around and the lions will occasionally run and chase the hyenas. So what I would do in a sighting like that, I'll be like, okay, cool. Let me get a video of the lions chasing the hyenas first. I switch to video mode and I'm ready to film and whatever, or I'm filming the whole interaction of them eating and all that. And then if they chase a hyena, cool, I've got that on video yeah. now. And then I'll be like, okay, now... I know they're going to be go back to feeding for a little bit. So let me switch to photo. And then next time they're chasing the hyena, I'll be ready with photo, if, if that makes sense. And then hopefully you'll be get get the chance twice. In a sighting like that, chances are they will be chasing the hyena several times. For sure. So then you can you can kind of be like, okay, the first time they do it, I'm videoing. The second time they do it, I'm photoing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you guys have a bucket list of sightings? And if so, what is still on that list? Sure we. I think it's that's a really interesting question. Um, what have I not seen? What has not been ticked off? So I'd have to go with, if we're going to stay with Africa, um, I would have to say there's multiple different species of birds that I haven't seen uh, in both Southern Africa and the rest of Africa. But I'd say from a mammal point of view, we're looking at the black-footed cat, a very unique and nocturnal species um yeah something i would absolutely die die to see uh and then obviously as i mentioned earlier in the podcast the uh south american ecosystems animals like jaguar and uh the arctic species uh such as polar bears and the orcas oh sorry i have seen orcas before yeah i think for me like pangolin again just i'm just dying to see a pangolin yeah. and then in general like there's like sightings that i'm like yeah it would be nice to photograph this in this light in this open clearing you know like those kind of things yeah definitely have that on my mind as well how do you generate an income as a wildlife photographer or as wildlife photographers okay this is a question i get all the time and it's super super difficult to explain because people are like okay how can i make a living as a wildlife photographer how can i become a wildlife photographer and one it's so difficult to like pinpoint what a what makes someone a, a wildlife photographer like you take photos of wildlife you're a wildlife photographer yeah like, it doesn't it doesn't help just taking photos of wildlife and it stays on an sd card like you I mean. know what i mean so um and i don't i think people also get the wrong idea on social media sometimes i don't make a living solely going out taking photos of wildlife and that's it like that's not that doesn't generate me any income what i make a living of 
is multiple streams of income around photography around photography and uh, that all gets connected down to photography and and wildlife and so on yeah and that includes our safari company that's my my workshops and me teaching photography i do le- lectures and, and your courses. print shop right my print shop uh, where i also sell digital um educational resources so it's it's all of those different things yeah. that all kind of link to wildlife photography and photography in general but uh, it's multiple streams of income yeah and um like myself is more it's the set it's the booking aspect of wildest crudest safaris so booking trips for people uh even if they're not wanting privately guided trips i can source them lodges for good prices um along with freelancing do a lot of freelance work in the areas that i operate all over the place Mm. and um obviously the private guiding trips where people want me as their guide they've heard me on the podcast they know me from instagram or whatever the case may be but they're like this is the man i want to go with and then i source them a trip where we can go together and off we go yeah so i hope that um, that answers the question yeah what challenges can you expect photographically from a first time trip to east africa well um from someone who do run trips to tanzania uh first time safari goes i think i can answer this question yeah and i think the big thing that is a challenge in east africa and specifically tanzania because that's where i have the experience of of taking photos in east africa is and this is going to sound a bit random but it's the light because because it's so close to the equator the sunset and sunrise is so quick does that make sense yeah so it, it like sunset and sunrise which is the best times of the day with the best light is so quick that is quite difficult to match a sighting in that light does that make sense yeah i would say that's the biggest challenge because so like you will see a lot but the light might not be perfect because like golden hour is shorter because you're so co- close to the equator nice how different is safari guest etiquette from country to country now wow this is this is an interesting one i love talking about this yeah but it's a loaded one you need to be careful here Uh, because there's a lot of stereotypes (laughs) there yeah you know okay before i start talking about people and countries uh let's just say it's all a generalization you know i have met nice people from every country that I have ever guided, and I have met horrible people from every country I've ever guided, or every nationality, sorry, not country, but nationalities. I've met great people, all nationalities, and I've met horrible people, all nationalities. So um, I think it it does differ, Uh, and Carolina being Swedish uh, would understand that, that when I was in my earlier stages of my career before me and Carolina had met, I always found Scandinavian guests not to be rude, but quite, like, you know, not not really. <laughs> they weren't. They there wasn't bland. a lot of emotion. They're quite bland. So, Jörg, to, so as a Swedish person, uh, I, I feel like I, t- I can talk about this. Yes, please, without insulting people. Exactly. I, I feel like I'm going to so insult someone. I have noticed that we talk about this a lot, and this is actually quite interesting. So we're gonna. This yeah. question is going to be a bit longer. Um. But I have noticed 
from moving from Sweden to living in South Africa and so on, uh, we often talk about cultural differences and so on. And something that's very interested with interesting that I see very clearly with Scandinavian guests when we get Scandinavian guests is that in in in, in Scandinavian languages and in Swedish specifically because that's what I speak, um, you, the jokes don't always work in English, and like the way we talk and the way we express our feelings in our native language when translated to English does not work. Yeah. If that makes sense. So we well, it like, sounds weird. It, it can sounds work, weird. but it's like why would you say that? You yeah. I mean? Or yeah. like it sounds like we're not too excited about yes. what we saw on Game Drive. When we're actually super excited, but it's just translated we are quite we we like in Swedish because I'm going back to Swedish, but the Scandinavian languages are quite similar and culture is quite similar. So like we are quite short. Yeah. Uh, and in, in Swedish, that works. In Swedish, that's fine because that's the culture and whatever. Yeah. But when you translate that to English, it sounds rude because in English, you are very much like, oh, thank you very much. That was amazing. You Where know, in Swedish, it's just like, thanks. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, you know, there's... German is quite similar. Mm. as well, And that's because I, 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 I spoke to a guest once upon a time, actually more recently than not. And he said the exact same thing, but he only learned this because he had lived in America for X amount of years. And mm. now that's how he learned like, wow, well, you know, there's no, there's no, there's no word in German for fantastic, you know? It's well, all, there is, but yeah, for amazing. Yes, for amazing yeah. or something like that. It's, it's all good. And if it's not good, they'll tell you it's not good. But exactly. so that language barrier where South Africans are quite expressive. And as a guide, uh, a, a South African guide, I like the expressive people because you generally run off your guest energy. So people are like, oh my word, that's amazing. You're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm doing a good and job. And then you got the Americans. There you got the Americans. So they're always cool. And Americans are also quite, they're quite, they're quite wowed by everything and they're quite easy to impress. They generally do not come with a list. Uh, they're happy to see everything. Obviously, they would like to see. But again, generalization, you know, mm. there are the box tickers out there. Uh, but they're like you'll pass your first Impala that actually doesn't move away from the car and it just stares at you and they go, oh my word, that's amazing. And so there's great. Um, In general, very happy people. Very happy people. Um, and then, you know, you've, then again, generalizing. Um, but then you've got uh, the cultures from the subcontinent. So, and they're quite demanding. They're, but again, generalization. They're like, okay, we've seen the leopard. Let's go to the lions now. Like, I can just make it happen. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it is. It's very, very, very different. And it does. Uh, each culture is quite unique to itself. Um, I hope that answers the question. I think I've yeah. elaborated enough there on just how each culture is different. The most common joke, and again, this is generalizing, is yeah. that the worst guests are South Africans. But that it's a huge generalization because... Literally during the whole of lockdown, we pretty much only had South Africans yeah. and they were all amazing. But there is often, not often, sometimes when you get South Africans, they, yeah, because they've grown up in South Africa and because they've gone to the bush every now and then or mm. quite often or once a year or whatever, they feel like they know the there's, bush. Yeah. So you as the guide don't have anything to teach them. Yeah, there's this entitlement about about them in the bush and they think, oh no, I've come to Kruger once a year for my whole life. What are you that has all these fancy qualifications? What do you know? Um yeah. and sometimes that that sometimes can be 
what comes across from South Africans. But again, going back, generalization. Super generalization. Uh, I, we've had lovely South Africans in our years that are just amazing. And some people we become, still keep in contact with. We yeah, still become, become friends with. Um, so, yeah, you know, but yeah, it is, it, it's just funny because each nationality does have their, it's, they're unique to their own kind of social group. It's a, it's different cultures. Exactly. Tracking leopards. That's a question for you. That yeah, but it's not even a question. It's just tracking leopards. Talks about talk about tracking leopards. Tracking leopards is amazing. That is just actually the best question I can get because I can actually just talk about anything. Um, tracking leopards is, long, yeah, tracking leopards is something that you know is so close to my heart, and I just absolutely love doing it. We actually, I read an article today that there was a leopard that was spotted on in a school. In, in South Africa in KwaZulu Natal and okay. one of my mates sent to me he sent me this article and said have a look at this there's a leopard scene in KwaZulu Natal at a school and I okay the school is on a reserve yeah I have to say that because otherwise people are going to think leopards walk around no no no, no 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 but it was they, they're on a 1700 hectare reserve and he sent this to me I was like I want to go there because I want to track this leopard I want to find out what this thing's been eating I want to see what what this thing's been drinking I want to I want to know this thing's life and tracking leopards is, like I said, just, just so close to, to my heart. Uh, I think it's because it's, it, they're so elusive. And uh, there's, there's this sense of accomplishment once you find them. Yeah, because and, it's very special to find them. And if maybe you were leaning towards a question on, is how? it difficult and mm. how? Of course it is. And that's why it's, there's that thrill. Mm. And when you find that thing, you are so happy. Because you know how difficult it is, and you know the run around these uh, these specific individual leopards or these leopards in general can give you. Mm. Um, but how time, effort, practice in the bush? Is that yeah? You can't really explain how to track how a leopard to track a leopard. You, you never you you cannot explain how to track a leopard. If you are a guide and you work with a tracker, and that man knows how to track a leopard. Learn everything you can from him. That's my advice to you because learning from your tracker is what will develop you into a better tracker. Have you ever thought about doing something else than photography? You have, yes. Absolutely. Um, no, this is your question. I still think about it all the time. I always, always like think about what can I do? Like I'm 25, so like I've got my whole life in front of me. But uh, ever like when I was growing up, I always uh, thought I was going to go into teaching. My mom's a teacher and I've in general just enjoy teaching and like sharing knowledge. But I guess now I have worked at schools for, for a bit as well before I came to South Africa. And I think the school environment just became a bit toxic for me. So I think that kind of made me shy away from starting teaching. But uh, now I'm able to combine that teaching passion with photography instead where I'm teaching photography. So yeah, that's definitely something I thought about and something I would definitely consider doing if I nice yeah if I think about a different career path what's your favorite meal you go oh me sure I love a barbecue chicken with rice eh? or even no maybe a lasagna Oof, or a cheeseburger. You see, I can't decide. <laughs> I can't decide. There's just, there's just so many good meals out there. But actually, now thinking about it, this question caught me quite off guard. You know what my favorite meal is? Go ahead. Breakfast. Oh, because because <laughs> everything is breakfast. You can have anything. But also, I'm but I'm very much a morning person. I love my mornings and I love breakfast. And yeah, yeah. favorite meal of the day is breakfast. But 
yeah, I know. It was a favorite meal. Oh, okay. So you actually... What? It's so boring. <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with lasagna. I love a good beef lasagna. Just... Mm, love that stuff. Where did you get those epic hats from? <laughs> Thanks, Amy, for that great question. Well, it's from, from her. <laughs> from her, yeah. That's why actually, I was just so thanking Amy. For those who don't know, the, it's the uh, the hats that I usually wear. You see me wearing all the time on, on my Instagram. With the little and, elephant. Yeah, and that we have on the podcast uh, logo, whatever you call it, the cover. Uh, they're from, from a company called Ellie and May. Uh, awesome company. Big shout out. Go follow them on social media and do order a cap if you can. Uh, I do know they do sh- ship overseas, but because it's overseas, they're South African based. That's We're going to have it on the podcast one day. So we will, yeah. It's... But just just giving them a shout out. But yeah. they do ship overseas, but it obviously becomes a bit expensive shipping overseas. So maybe go like together, a group of mates or something, and order caps together if you do want them. They're awesome. I wear them all the time. Like Literally obsessed with them. So, and really is caps are buying those caps it does go to a good cause yes but we'll talk more about that or Amy can talk about more about that when she does come on the podcast if she does want to come on the podcast and you can check out their website uh, for more of like a story behind the company and so on but Ellie and May caps when is your busiest time of the year shall we uh, is it like June July I would probably say going in from July August September October November I'd say those five months are the busiest time in the safari industry. Quite a big, big... <laughs> well, yeah, it's busy. No, I feel like we're like, constantly busy. Yeah, but I'd say the busiest time. Mm. Busiest time is then. How often do you get to visit family? I think you take this one because I think this one is directed directly at you. Because mm. uh, Craig's family, we do we see We live in South Africa. Yeah, they live see in South Africa, when we so, can. Yeah. Uh, I try to go home every six months, so twice a year, uh, but sometimes that doesn't work. Uh, so then maybe I see them twice a, uh, once a year. Um, sometimes they come here. Well, okay, they haven't actually visited South Africa for four years. My parents are coming next w- in two weeks, though. Uh, so very excited for that, but that is the first time in a very long time because of, of uh, the pandemic and everything that just hasn't worked out. But yeah, I would say in general, like twice a year. I go visit family. All right, guys, we're going to have to cut it there. Um, we have been rambling for almost an hour, as we normally do. But we don't want to go- bore you guys with, we've got so many more questions. And uh, I've heard from a lot of people that like an hour with a podcast is generally the limit, right? Yeah. Uh, so we're going to cut it there for now. Uh, we are going to answer everyone else's questions. Uh, but in the next episode of the podcast. Yeah, so we'll see you guys then. Uh, but hope you guys have enjoyed it so far. And we are really having fun. Yeah, all I, think, I, I think, yeah, this is this is a fun episode. This is something fun to do. Cool. cool we'll guys. see you guys in the next, next one. Cheers, have a good one.